Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. We'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Today we finish our series, Light and Life. And we are looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 32. So as we open our scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Father, our prayer is that as we gather and as we seek you, that we can find you and be found by your grace. Open your word to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, Your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this is the word of the Lord. We're grateful. Amen? Well, what is our mission? What are we about? What are we doing in the world? We believe we have been called to be light and life for the city in Jesus' name. A few weeks ago, we handed out little flashlights on Vision Sunday. Many of you, I think, were probably here, but if you weren't here and didn't get one, we've got a few extras lying around. I know you can pick one up, and we want you to have one, you know? And I want to ask you, where have you been shining your, your light? Let's see if I can flash this to the online community. A signal. We're okay. Yeah. Where have you been shining Uh, the light of Christ in your life. We lifted those at the end and we made a commitment. We want to be light bearers. We want to be life 
givers. We want to be for our city, a reflection of the city of God. We want to carry light and convey life. See, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, you're on a mission. You are a missionary to Colorado Springs. You've been commissioned to carry the light of Christ, to convey the life of Jesus, to make a difference. And we want to join Christ in his mission to seek and to save the lost, to reach and to redeem, to make a difference in our time for the Lord. We want to be light and life for the city. Have you been shining your light anywhere? I'm reminded of a an old sermon illustration that has stuck with me for a long time. There was a boy who was out on the coast in England and he found a small mirror washed up on the shore and he picked it up and after kind of admiring it and thinking about what ship it might have come from that's now resting somewhere in the bottom of the sea, he, he sort of took it and started shining the light off the sun and he, he started crawling around the rocks and the crags of the shoreline and made a game of it trying to figure out where he could get the sunlight to shine if he angled the mirror in just the right way and got himself in just the right position. And in fact, his challenge was, I wonder if I can make the sunlight shine somewhere that it never has before. And he kept at it. And he kept at it. And he kept at it. Do you see what's happening there? That's us. Christ is reflecting his light off of you and off of me. And is there somewhere where, where you can angle yourself? Is there somewhere where Christ is reflecting his light through you where it's never been before? Where are you reflecting the light of Christ? Is it at work, at school, friends, family? What, what relationships are you in? Is there somewhere in your life that Christ is trying to bring light where it has never shined before? And I think there is. I think that's why Christ has you in some of the difficult positions that you find yourself in. Does anyone find themselves in some difficult positions? <laughs> Do you know maybe Jesus has you there so that the light of Christ can get reflected into some corner, some cranny, some dark that it has never penetrated before. We live in a world that says we're fine without Jesus and, and we're meant to accept that as Christians, that all are fine without Jesus. In fact, it's near criminal to say you need Jesus because Jesus is a savior. And if you suggest that someone needs a savior, well then you're suggesting that they need to be saved from something. And he's a savior for sinners. And so just by the time you've said, wouldn't you like to know Jesus, you've called someone a sinner. You see? And, and that's near criminal in our world. We're fine without Jesus, thank you. Suggest that that a simple carpenter from Galilee has the key to the sins of all humanity. It just sounds like foolishness to me. I don't need it. Thank you very much. So what do we do? What do we do? See, I don't believe people are fine without Jesus. Isaiah 59 talks about life separated from God. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, 
we are like the dead. Friends, what's your heart for the lost? Does your heart break for those who are walking in spiritual darkness, stumbling in the daylight without the light of Christ? What, what is your heart for those around you who are lost? Do we just say, well, I found Jesus and I'm with the Lord and I'm, I'm in the company of the faithful. I'm in the family of God. Let's just leave the rest behind. They don't, they're not interested anyway, so let's just stick with us. Is, is that it? That doesn't sound like the errand of Jesus, and it doesn't sound like the errand that he has given us. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Oh, we want to be light and life. There are two great stories here, two great stories about being light and life for others. The man on the mat and, and Levi, the tax collector. Now, the man on the mat, you see, he isn't left behind by his friends. They're not going to leave him there. No way. He's got a, a problem in his life, and they think that they have found someone who can help. I want you to watch for a pattern here, because I think this gives us a picture of how to be light and life for the city. And the progression goes like this. I want you to watch for a pattern of trust, risk, faith, life, praise. Trust, risk, faith, life, praise. Are you ready? Trust. The man on the mat, he had a problem. He had a life problem, we could say. His life was very narrowed, it was very limited. He wasn't living life as he wanted to live it or as he believed that life should be lived. He had a life problem. And his friends saw his problem and they cared about his problem. They moved toward him in his problem and they also had heard of Jesus and they suspected that Jesus had a way to make things different for him. So instead of just leaving him there, they decided to get him to Jesus. Now here comes the trust. Will the man trust his friends to take him to Jesus? See, that takes trust. You see that? Is there enough trust in the relationship for, for this man to allow his friends to share some of the light of Christ with him? There's got to be trust there. See, there's a reason why we handed out these flashlights. There's only so much that we can do as a staff to make First Pres a great place to meet Christ. But the first contact, the first contact of the light is with you all in your friendships, in your places of work, in the places where a friendship has developed and there may be enough trust. There may be enough love where a family member is looking at you as a Jesus follower and there may be enough trust. There may be enough trust to share a little bit of the light of Christ. Will there be enough trust for this man? Well, in this case, there is. There's trust enough. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Apparently he said, okay, let's go. And tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Okay, now comes the fun part. Don't you love this story? Now comes the fun part. Risk. Verse 19. 
When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they turned around and gave up. That's it. No, that's not it. No, that's not what they did. They went up on the roof, sure, and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd. Who wouldn't? Right in front of of Jesus. Risk. Listen, in every relationship where the light of Christ is about to dawn, there's going to be an awkward moment. There's always an awkward moment. There's always a moment where it feels like I'm risking this relationship. I'm risking our friendship. I'm risking our, our love for one another, our, our family relationship. There's going to be a little awkward moment. There's a little bit of risk. But you're going to have to risk it. Can you imagine them selling this idea to their paralyzed friend? <laughs> so listen, small problem, it's crowded. We didn't expect that. Uh, but, but hey, we've got a plan, Okay. Uh, we're we're going to tie the, the four corners of your mat with rope. Gary found some rope out by the trash. It's going to be great. Now, y- you, you, you know some good knots, right? Like a figure eight or a sheep shank or something. We're just going to open up the roof. We're going to lower you down, okay, right in front of the crowd, right in front of... Don't worry. It's going to go great. This is going to go great. A little bit of risk. A little bit of Vulnerability. Can you imagine how vulnerable the man felt? A little bit of kingdom mischief, you know? Just a little touch of why not? It's worth it, you see, to get a friend to Jesus. Trust, risk, faith, verse 20. When Jesus saw their what? Faith. He didn't say, that's, that's nuts. He said, that's faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. You have to imagine the man on the mat is a little bit confused at this point. <laughs> friend, your sins are, are forgiven. Okay? You know, that's not really what I came here for. Um, You can see that I'm on a mat. You can see that I'm a paralyzed man. You can see the life problem that that presents itself. I don't want to get into a big thing in front of everybody, but that isn't really what I was looking for. Uh, And now you want to talk about my sins? Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Jesus has authority like you will not find anywhere else to forgive sins. Jesus can forgive. Jesus can restore a person. Jesus has the power to change a life, to remove what is past, to forgive the errors, to to remove and redeem the broken places. Jesus has power and authority to forgive sins. Amen? The religious authorities didn't think he did. He said, only God has that. You're lying, you're tricking, you're you're blaspheming. Well, see that forgiveness is an invisible thing. You, You can't really see that happen, but healing from paralysis is a visible thing. And so Jesus, as the scripture says, he wanted them 
to know. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So what does Jesus do? He does the visible thing to demonstrate his authority to perform the invisible thing. See, for Jesus, again and again, he says, get the spiritual right and you can handle the physical. The physical problems, those are this life problems. The spiritual problems, those are eternity problems. Get the spiritual right and you can handle the physical. So to prove that he has the authority to do the invisible thing, he, he does the visible thing. He says, hey, hey man, get up. W- would you get up? See, these people, help me out, these people don't get it. <laughs> they don't understand it. Would you just get up? And what does the man do? Where is this man's profession of faith? Do you find it? Where does he say, I believe? Where does he, well, his profession of faith, <laughs> it isn't verbal. It isn't in words, it's in deed. Jesus said, hey, against all that you know is possible, against all odds, would you stand up, take up your mat, and go home? Jesus tells him to do it. Verse 24, so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. What does he do? Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Where is this man's profession of faith? Jesus said to get up, pick up your mat, and go home. He got up, picked up his mat, and went home. Faith. Faith. Faith is trusting Jesus with your life. More than a man hanging in front of a crowd from a mat of paralysis. More than than a man stepping out of a boat onto a surface of water. Faith is trusting Jesus with your life. He says to step and you step. Beyond all that you asked or imagined. And life started for that man. Life started all over again. Right there when he believed Jesus and acted on Jesus' promise. Life started over. Faith, you see, leads to life. Life, new life in Christ. And new life in Christ leads to, watch this now, praise. The next thing that happens is worship. The man praises God. He responds to what God has done for him with a song of praise. And then the people around him, everyone who saw it happen, they start to worship. A worship service breaks out. They're filled with awe. They say, we've seen amazing things. And they gave, verse 26, praise to God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. Do you see that? So there we go. A little bit of of trust leads to risk, and then there's faith, there's new life, and there's praise. Maybe you are right now in a relationship with someone that is on one of those thresholds. Pray to pass into the next one. 
The progression starts all over again with this next story. I wanted to read both of them side by side for you this morning because now we get to Levi. Now, Levi is Matthew, the gospel writer. It's the same person, but just two different names. But Jesus comes up to to Levi, and he addresses him. He speaks to him, Levi being a tax collector, a despised social outcast. You see, Levi is as limited and narrowed in his life socially as the paralyzed man was as limited and narrowed in his life physically. This this man, Levi, because he's despised, because he's on the edges, because no one likes him, wants to be around him, you see, he, he can't live life to the fullest. And Jesus addresses him just the same. And all of this happens very quickly now. Jesus speaks to him and there's trust there's risk, he gets up. There's faith, he follows. There's, there's new life, and then there's praise. It all happens just like that. Now watch what happens next. Here goes Levi. In his new life, in his praise, in his worshipful life, his response immediately is to throw a party. Let me gather everything I've got and throw the biggest party I can. And the party is for, look at your Bible, the party is for who? For Jesus. I've got a party for you, Jesus. And he doesn't just invite his new Christian friends. Do you see that? He doesn't just say, well, now that I'm in, I'm going to shut out these old friends who used to lead me in the wrong direction. No, he says, I want to throw a party for Jesus, and I want to invite all of, of my friends. I want, to, I want to introduce my most trusted and cherished friends to my most trusted and cherished Savior, Jesus. He doesn't hole up in the Christian bubble. He throws a party for Jesus and he invites everyone he knows. Do you see that? Here's another one who's ready to go through this this moment. Levi is ready to risk his relationship with his trusted friends to maybe show them the light of Christ that maybe they too could have faith and life and praise become a part of their story. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus think of something like that? Well, you know what? Jesus loves it. (laughs) You You know, Jesus always responds yes to an invitation like that. Jesus shows up at parties like that. Now, when he gets grief for it, for mixing with the sinners and tax collectors from the high religious... Jesus takes the opportunity to define the mission once again. Verse 30, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you do this stuff? Why do you eat and drink and mix? and Why do you hang out with people who act like that, who don't understand? Why, why, do, you, why do you break bread with sinners and tax collectors? Why are you doing that? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, you see, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Hey, let me ask you, who are you eating with? Really, who do you break bread with in your life? Who do you open your table to? Who do you go out to lunch 
with? Who are you mixing with in your life? Chuck and Katie Fowler are headed up to Denver to plant a new church starting this summer. And one of the models for church planting that they're considering is called dinner church. Dinner church. You start a new church, you see, by just having dinner. They're just having dinner parties. Sounds very biblical, doesn't it? And you eat, and you break bread together, and you build trust, and then you move to risk, and then you find faith, and then you have new life, and then praise erupts, and a community of faith is born. Who are you eating with? Jesus didn't come to reward the pious and congratulate the healthy. He came to heal the sick and make sinners whole. When he says, I've not come to call the righteous, we should almost uh, read, I did not come to call the the so-called righteous. See, it's tongue in cheek there. Jesus knows that there are no righteous, no, not one. We have all fallen short. We have all fallen short, but none of us can fall out of the reach of his loving grace. So friends, we're called church to be light and life for the city, to carry light and to convey life, to get friends to Jesus, to break through roofs, to to hold parties, to introduce our cherished and beloved and trusted to our cherished and beloved and trusted Savior. Maybe you don't feel much like shining the light of Christ. Maybe at times it feels heavy. I don't feel much like a bright light. Life's been disappointing. There's pain in my life. Uh, The the twinkle in my eye is more of a welling tear than a spark of joy. What to be done then? Well, listen now. This is the last thought this morning. These commands of Christ, they're not singular you commands. They're plural we commands. They're commands for us together. And maybe when you're not feeling strong to carry another, there's someone else who's ready to carry you a few steps forward. Maybe when when you're not feeling that you can reflect joyfully the light of Christ, well, maybe there are others who can reflect the light of Christ toward you and on you and for you and on your behalf. See, we don't do this alone. We do it together, and that's church. So continue. To, to shine your mirror wherever you can find, wherever you can get, wherever the Lord places you, even, even some of these places that are really uncomfortable. But you shine and you reflect the light of Christ and hang on. And today, come to the table where we are all fed and restored together to know again the amazing works of God and what he has done for us. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. For your life, Christ has come. For your life, Christ has given his. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for calling us to be a part of your errand. Lord, if you had only come for those who had it all together, not a single one of us 
would be sitting here this morning, but you have showered us with your grace, and we pray that you help us to reflect that grace to others, to reach others with your light and with your life, and we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.